Well, happy Easter, everybody. It is uh, great to be together. Easter is the pinnacle of the Christian year. The resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith. And it's uh, so nice to have so many people gathered physically in the Ward Church Sanctuary and gathered in Knox Hall, a good group gathered in our video venue this morning. And welcome to those of you uh, worshiping online. Uh, there's a very old uh, tradition that when followers of Jesus would greet each other on this day, rather than the usual greeting of hello or good morning, they simply would say, Christ is risen, and the other person would respond, Christ is risen indeed. And that's this day. This is the day we get to say, Christ is risen. It's so good to hear people say that. Right? Uh, uh, last year, you remember, we could not gather physically for Easter services. It was very early in the pandemic. Remember, we were all in lockdown. And so all around the nation, Easter worship happened exclusively online. And now it feels like we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And frankly, I'm just glad to see anything. Uh, I feel like the whole last 12 months, this has kind of been uh, my view. And. Uh, <laughs> You know, fellow eyeglass wearers, you can relate to this, right? It's been a foggy, frustrating year, and uh, we've tried all the hacks, uh, haven't we? You gotta get a mask that pinches airtight around your nose or wear your glasses at the end of your nose, if you tried that one. And uh, one woman in our church uh, told me that the secret was to put shaving cream on your glasses, and I asked her, how am I gonna see with shaving cream on my glasses? <laughs> And uh, there's fog spray and all kinds of things. We were, I, I was at our Easter egg hunt uh, a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't see anything at all. My glasses were in full fog mode, and I couldn't see anything, so I took them off, and then I couldn't see anything. And, uh, and today we sing, I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah, now the truth is, even those of you that don't wear glasses, you don't see perfectly either, even when your eyes are unhindered. The human eye, as amazing as it is, does not always see things accurately. Some people are colorblind, some people have color deficiency. Uh, actual color blindness, total color blindness, where all you see is black and white, no color, that's pretty rare. But more common is a color deficiency. Some people have trouble distinguishing between red and green, uh, to a lesser extent between yellow and blue. And a common test for this is an image that appears in colorful dots like this one. Uh, do you see an image here on the screen? What do you see? You see a heart? Normal seeing people will see a heart. If you do not see a heart, you may have a vision problem in terms of color. The most famous test is the Ischiera color plates. It's a series of 34 plates, each with a number on them. This is used to test color deficiency and color blindness. It looks like this, each one has a number. Uh, this one's a little harder. Do you see a number on this plate? What do you see? Okay, normal viewing people will see 74. People with a color deficiency will see 21 and people with total color blindness will likely not see uh, anything at all. Uh, and this is one of the tests they use to determine uh, color blindness. Um, they also have an interesting test where some of the, some of the plates are, are designed only to be seen by people with color deficiency. Like this one, there's a number here and only people with a red-green color deficiency can see the number 
What number is it? I have no idea. I'm not uh, color deficient. Is there, uh, can anybody read this? Are there no colorblind people here on Easter Sunday? How about in Knox Hall or online? Anybody? I'm, I'm told the number is 45 and can only be seen by people with a color deficiency. Yeah, but all of us have, all, have different kinds of vision problems and the human brain compensates for most of them. The retina, you remember, is that back part of the eye, and it's covered in these cells that are sensitive to light. They're called photoreceptors, and there are two kinds, cones and rods. Cones are the ones that detect color, and if you have missing cones or damaged cones, you will have some color deficiency. Um, but the eye is just covered with these photoreceptors, except in one place. There's one place of the eye that has no photoreceptors. It's where the optic nerve meets the retina, and that's what causes the blind spot. In every human eye, in everyone's vision, there is a blind spot in your vision, and you're not aware of it because the human brain fills in the gap. If you're looking at a blue scene, there's a gap in your vision somewhere, and the human brain will fill it in with blue. Now, the human brain's not always right. If there's something else in your blind spot, the human brain will cover it up with the surrounding uh, color. And there are tests for color, uh, there, there's tests for blind spots as well that we could put on the screen, but those kind of tests require you to bring your nose all the way to the screen, uh, which in a crowd this size is not possible uh, nor desirable. But you might want to look that up at some time, the, the, the blind spot test. Not everyone is colorblind, not everyone is color deficient, but everybody has a blind spot, and most of us aren't aware of it. There are other kind of blind spots as well, of course. There are other places where our vision is hindered. Uh, we have emotional blind spots. Sometimes there's something that you cannot empathize with, something you cannot feel because of an emotional deficiency. Or maybe you ignore or even block your own feelings or block an experience that you had because it was unpleasant or confusing. Then we have cognitive blind spots where you have biases that affect your judgment. Regardless of the kind, studies show that the average person has 3.4 blind spots. Something about our world, something about ourselves that we cannot see. And I'll prove it to you. Uh, when I said the average person has 3.4 blind spots, how many of you thought, not me? Well, that's your blind spot. And you're not alone. Another study showed that 85% of Americans feel that they have no blind spots. There are no biases that affect their judgments. But of course, everybody has blind spots. Blind spots are normal. And the problem is that not only does it uh, cause problems sometimes in uh, our, our, uh, our own potential, it also can affect our ability to be a good spouse, a good parent, a good neighbor, a good church member, a good decision maker. Next Sunday, we're starting a brand new sermon series called How to Make a Bad Decision. How to Make a Bad Decision. And we're going to look at four of the worst decisions ever made by people in the Bible. The people in the Bible were not perfect. They had blind spots as well. And by looking at the anatomy of a bad decision, we're going to learn how to make good ones. That starts next Sunday. We all have blind spots, and in fact, this is the way the Easter story begins in John's Gospel. 
with a blind spot toward Jesus. Now this blind spot eventually got resolved in the Easter story, and when it did for her, this person we're going to be talking about today, when her blind spot got resolved, and when it got resolved for millions of people who followed her, it changed everything. You heard the story read earlier from John's biography of Jesus. Mary went to the tomb early that Sunday morning, and the tomb was empty, and Jesus was standing next to the tomb, and Mary did not recognize that it was Jesus. She thought it was the gardener. Really? She didn't recognize Jesus? Why? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why didn't Mary recognize Jesus? We're going to talk about Mary's blind spot. Uh, a lot of different ideas have been floated. First, a little background on Mary Magdalene. Uh, there are a lot of Marys in the Bible. It's, uh, it's a very common name in the first century, so it gets kind of confusing. There is Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's not the Mary we're talking about. There's Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. And a lot of you remember the story where Lazarus died and Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. That's Mary of Bethany. This is not that Mary. This is another Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. Magdalene was not her last name. It's the city from which she's from. She's from Magdala in Galilee. She's really Mary of the Magdalene, but we call her Mary Magdalene for short. She was present at Jesus' crucifixion. She was present at his burial. And as we read, she was the very first person to whom the risen Jesus appeared after the resurrection. In fact, she was given the task of letting the other disciples know about the resurrection, which she did. She was a remarkable woman, prominently featured in the New Testament and honored throughout Christian history. The Bible tells us that she had been a severely sick woman possessed by up to seven demons. And while she might have been demon-possessed for sure, that was also a euphemism in that day for the most severe of illnesses. When Jesus encountered her, he healed her and gave her a new beginning. And Mary was so grateful for what Jesus had done that she devoted her life from that point forward to his cause, his purpose, his mission. She walked with Jesus. She talked with Jesus. She became part of his inner circle right along with the disciples. She was mentored by Jesus. In fact, she's mentioned 14 times in the Bible in various groups and settings, making her one of the most prominently featured women in the entire Bible. So why didn't she recognize Jesus? Why? A lot of different ideas have been floated over the years. One is that she did not see him because of her grief, because of her grief. Mary was one of the few people at the resurrection when all the other disciples had fled. Mary Magdalene stayed at the cross right alongside Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she watched this person who had come to mean everything to her die on a cross and was buried. She was heartbroken. And she turns up at the tomb that next morning to pay tribute. And she discovers a horrible thing had happened. The tomb was empty. In her mind, her first blush was, this is a terrible thing. This must be because of grave robbers. This must be because someone went to desecrate his body, adding pain to the loss she already felt. So why didn't she see Jesus? Again, one theory is that her eyes were so swollen, filled with tears from her grief that she could not recognize Jesus in the midst of her depression, her grief, her sorrow, and her sadness. 
And this is the way it is for a lot of people. Sometimes life can kick so hard that you can't imagine that God is around. Your grief forms a blind spot. You can't believe there could be anyone who is good and loving and all-powerful who would sit and seemingly just watch it all happen. Maybe you recently lost someone you love or you lost the life that you love. And maybe Jesus is near and you've been unable to recognize him because of your grief. Another idea about why Mary didn't recognize Jesus uh, is because of her doubt and disbelief. Uh, Maybe Mary's mind just couldn't comprehend or would not comprehend the idea of a resurrection. Again, she was there at the crucifixion. She saw the bloodied corpse of Jesus taken down off of a cross and buried. When she went out to the tomb that morning, she was looking for a, a dead body, not for a live person. So when this live person encountered her, she thought, of course this is not Jesus. This must be somebody else. The idea that the live person she's talking to was Jesus never entered her mind. She had closed her mind off to that. And we can all do this as well. Not see something because we don't believe that it's possible. Or not see something because we don't expect to see it. You know, superhero movies are still popular today, and I'm always amazed at how little of a disguise you need to conceal your identity from others. You know, some superheroes have a whole head mask, but why do that when a little piece of fabric over your eyes will will do? Um, Superman had no mask at all. All he did was comb his hair differently, and no one could tell that it was Clark Kent. Uh, The secret is not in the disguise. The secret is in the expectation. People don't see what they don't expect to see. And so low expectations form an enormous blind spot. We have predecided what's possible and what's impossible, and so we fail to see the supernatural. We don't expect to see God, and so we don't. And then one last reason people have offered that might explain Mary's inability to recognize Jesus is because of her self-esteem, her lack of self-esteem. It's possible she was there in the garden and thought, there's no way this could be Jesus talking to me because Jesus would never appear to me. Jesus would never call my name. Of all people, why would the risen Jesus come to me? And it could be easy to see why Mary might have felt this way. There's an old tradition, it's, it's not in the Bible, but it's been circulated among Christians for 1,500 years, that Mary Magdalene was one in the same with the woman who was caught in adultery. Again, we don't know if this is true, but you know this very famous story where people brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus to be judged. And you know, they had rocks in their hands and they were waiting to uh, stone this woman to death, and Jesus said his famous line, whoever is without sin... Let him cast the first stone. And people dropped their rocks and walked away. And Jesus said, is there no one here to condemn you? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. But if this was Mary, she didn't go. She stayed. She stayed with Jesus. Whether it was Mary or not, we know that Mary came to Jesus a physical, spiritual, emotional, and moral mess. 
And when we see ourselves as a mess, we assume everybody sees us as a mess, including God. We look at our own moral foul-ups, our stupid mistakes, our sin, and our junk, and all we want to do is hide from God, and we assume that's what God wants us to do. Just get out of His sight. And we could not be more wrong. And some of you need to hear this morning, God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. God is head over heels in love with you. I love the story that Marianne Bird tells of growing up knowing that she was different and hating it. She writes about being born with a a cleft palate, and all the kids in her school let her know exactly what they saw. A little girl with a misshapen lip, a crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. Her family did not have the resources to address the issue surgically, And when she was asked about her face, her lips, she would tell people that she fell down and cut it on a piece of glass, figuring it was better for people to think it happened by an accident than to think that she had been born different. So she grew up convinced that nobody outside of her family would love or accept her. And then she entered second grade, and she got her second grade teacher, Mrs. Leonard. And everybody loved Mrs. Leonard. She was happy all the time. Some people said she sparkled. And every year, that school gave all the students hearing tests, and Mrs. Leonard announced to the class it was that time of year for hearing tests, and she began to administer them student by students. And finally, it was Mary Ann's turn. She knew from past years the routine. Uh, The student would stand up against the wall, and the teacher from the desk would whisper a phrase, and the child would repeat the phrase back to, to prove that they had heard it correctly. And usually it was a phrase like, the sky is blue, or... Are you wearing new shoes? And Marianne took her place against the wall, and Mrs. Leonard said something she never expected, something that she said changed her life. The teacher said, I wish you were my little girl. And this little girl with a cleft palate, who had never known anything but rejection, heard those words, I wish you were my little girl. And that's what God says to every one of us. No matter how we feel about ourselves, no matter how far we've wandered away from God, even in the midst of our failure and sin and weakness, God says, I made you, and I want a relationship with you. I want you to be my child. We don't know what caused Mary's blind spot, whether it was tear-filled eyes overcome with grief, whether it was her inability to fathom the possibility of an actual resurrection or whether it was her disbelief that the risen Jesus would appear among all people to her. We don't know what caused Mary's blind spot, but we do know what made it go away. It's the same thing that makes all Jesus' blind spots go away. It's when you hear Jesus call your name. When Mary heard Jesus call her name, when when Jesus said, Mary, she recognized him. She could see Now, a little tidbit here, when Jesus called her name, he didn't actually say Mary. The text actually has an Aramaic. She said, he he said, Miriam. That was the name she was given. That was her true name. That was the name her daddy would have called her. That was the name that was most her. Jesus rose again to call every single one of us by our name to let you see past your blind spots into the reality of his life and mission. No matter what your blind spot with Jesus might be, know that Jesus does not have a blind spot with you. 
Jesus sees you in your grief, in your doubt, in your hurting. And he calls out, Megan, James, Joyce, Michael, Isabel, Maria, Christopher, Susan, Bethany. Whatever your name is, it's being called out to let you know that he's alive and that you matter to him. He's there when you're crying. He's there when you're questioning. He's there when you think that no one cares. He is nearer than you know. Let's pray. Jesus, you have risen from the dead. Help us to see. You have called our name. Help us to hear. You are present in our midst, alive, powerful, loving. Help us to recognize our blind spots, that we may live in greater harmony with each other and with you, that we may fulfill all of our purposes. God, tell us who we are and to whom we belong. On this Easter Sunday, open our eyes. Raise us to new life. This we pray in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen.